spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hiya, it's me, Matt. Welcome again to Parts Unknown. We're nearing the end of our WrestleMania odyssey now, and this week we've got perhaps the show of all shows at the show of shows to chat through. Yep, those of you who've been paying attention will have realised that following last week's episode, it's now time for us to discuss WrestleMania 3. This is the show that even if you've never seen it, you'll know plenty about. More than 93,000 packed the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan to see if Hulk Hogan could body slam the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Spoiler alert, he did. The event went down a day after my fifth birthday. That's the 29th of March, 1987, to everyone aside from my mum. Hi, Debs, love you. In front of, as I say, a supposed 93,000-plus crowd. As with all manias, though, that figure is hotly disputed. There were 12 matches in total, and it wasn't just the main event which would go down in the history books. We also got the classic Savage vs. Steamboat bounce, as well as a Hair vs. Hair and a Loser Must Bow match. Thankfully, nobody's locks are on the line in the PU studio today, though, quite frankly, only the good docs would have much to lose were that the case. Time to say hello to my panel then. First then, the beautiful Rose, who's too pure for this here biz, our very own Miss Elizabeth from Sky Sports News. It's Anton Talui. Hello, Matt, and hello, Debs. <laughs> She'll appreciate that if she listens or if she doesn't. Next up, if Andre the Giant was the eighth wonder of the world, then she is at the very least in the top ten. She writes about wrestling, and that's just the best thing. No relation to Stephen of the so-so 80s tag team Well Done, it's Dr. Carrie Dunn. Hello. Finally, a man who's been on a voyage of discovery with us these past few months. He now knows that John Cena sucks, and what a pun is. He claims if he were to get a wrestling tattoo, it'd be of the junkyard dog. We'll be putting that boast to the test later in the show. I've got my needle at the ready. He's the mouth of the South, London. Carl Anker. Hello, everyone. Hi. Before we break down the matches, let's start at the start. This show screamed Americana to me. We open with Vince in-ring welcoming us to WrestleMania 3. He then introduces Miss Aretha Franklin, who, Carrie, gives what I thought was the most wonderful rendition of America the Beautiful we've heard so far. She does, but, yeah, not really saying much. I thought this was a really odd rendition. It goes on for about half an hour because she matches it up with the Star Spangled Banner anyway. I have learned over the course of this series, looking back at all the WrestleManias, America the Beautiful is possibly the worst song ever written, and nobody can sing it really well. Not even Aretha Franklin, who is a genius. Honky Tonk Love. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say to that. Honka, 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 burning love to give it its its full name. (laughs) Um, The whole event, I thought, Axel, just seems so vast compared to what we'd seen at Trump Plaza in um, the previous two manias that we've talked about. It it felt like a big deal, didn't it? It's what they tried to achieve at one, and they got really close with, you know, it's Madison Square Garden, and they threw everything at it, and they kind of refined, refined isn't the right word, they worked on things, and then they just made it bigger and grander, and I, 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 I loved the spectacle behind it and that's you know regardless of what goes on the ring that's why this is one of the most memorable of all time on to the graps then the main event saw hulk hogan beat andre the giant carl you're my go-to guy for explaining how feuds came about tell us the backstory to this one if you will oh this one's a delight um so it's a segment on piper's pit where they go to award andre the giant with a trophy for being unbeaten 
in all of his, I want to say, 15-year career. The thing about this time period is a lot of numbers are quite whiffy. So they go to give Andre the Giant a trophy for his unbeaten record. Then at the same show, they go to give Hulk Hogan a trophy for being the heavyweight champion for three years. And Hogan's trophy is bigger. Andre is quite annoyed at this. Hogan is mid-rant about how, you know, he's fantastic and Andre's fantastic. Andre disappears in the background and then re-emerges with Bobby the Brain Heenan, which, as we've spoken a lot on this podcast, simply aligning yourself with Bobby the Brain Heenan is the, the surest way to tell everyone that I'm a bad guy now. So he comes out with Heenan. Hogan is incredibly confused, going, what's, what's going on? Andre grabs his chin and goes, listen, I'm only here for one reason, one reason only, to challenge you for the World Championship Heavyweight title. That's my bad Andre impression. It wasn't as bad as Axel's Randy Savage, so it's fine. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Hogan is perplexed by what's going on. Andre goes, if you don't understand that, maybe you'll understand this. Grabs Hogan's shirt, rips it. Um, What's really interesting is, uh, if you watch the segment, you can see Hogan's got something, he rubs his the back of his hand because he's clearly got a Vaseline or Vicks on it and he shoves it in his eye and then he takes he rubs the Vaseline or Vicks and he tries shoving it in his eye because he's clearly trying to do something to make himself cry he goes to rub it then realises he's crying already well as Hogan tells the story when he retells it he goes (laughs) I was crying already I didn't need to Vic because there's just so much emotion brother Um, and that is how the feud was built because Andre was annoyed that Hogan got a bigger trophy and then uh, the storyline from then on was can Hulk Hogan body slam on the giant because no one had ever done it. People had done it before. Also, Andre Giant had been beaten in his career before this, but that's the story. And actually, in in the build up, um, for somebody with it, who doesn't have English as his first language, I thought Andre actually acted it quite well, and Hogan showed the kind of chops that, that got him the lead role in Mister Nanny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, in terms of the match, it's it, it's a basic wrestling match, but classic storytelling. Hogan goes for the slam almost immediately, and then we get the story that he's hurt because of that. Andre falls on top of him. It was never going to be uh, a six star Tokyo Dome classic, but it, the story it pretty much perfect for what these two could do and what the background to the feud was i thought i actually really like this match and i wasn't expecting to um it doesn't go on too long it's not kind of too repetitive as you you say matt uh, the limitations of both of them are kind of acknowledged and dealt with well in the way they put this together and yeah it tells the story it needs to tell perfectly and it's it's sports entertaining is this the most famous wrestling match ever i think so it's what i think about when Think about WrestleMania and the old WrestleManias, especially. No one's ever been bigger than Hulk. No one's sort of elevated wrestling more than Hulk Hogan. So it has to be a Hulk Hogan match. And who was his best? Who was his greatest nemesis? Well, it was Andre. And there was the the story behind it was simple about you know felling the unbeaten giants. He comes to claim what he should have, what should be his by size. And it's just yeah, it's just a simple, lovely decently told story it's, it's I, re- I really enjoy it I think the match is better because everybody has like Andre has some offence but you know so but there isn't that kind of it doesn't feel like Hulk Hulk's up out of nowhere and it, it's just it's slightly more subtle than it usually is and yeah it's just yeah it's it's wonderful 
Only drawback was effing Bob Uecker doing the ring announcing. That guy, he's everywhere around this time. Um, Carl, you mentioned Bobby Heenan there. I think one of the most iconic images in, in WrestleMania history, as well as the slam, is him with his head in his hands on that little ring cart thing going back toward the end. Just He just really added something to this match because as good as Andre did in the build-up, he wouldn't have been able to carry it in terms of promos and stuff on his own as effectively. It's a fantastic spectacle. So before the match, there's this... There are two um, interviews with me and Gene. And the first one, Andre just stands there, stone-faced, as Bobby talks about why Andre is amazing. He goes, he's seven foot five, he's 520 pounds. He's not. Um, Hulk Hogan's build has been six foot eight, six foot nine. This, this is truly like, there is so much myth-making going on at the same time as of the story, which it's funnier now when you're out going, he's clearly not seven foot five, but also such is the magic about Andre the Giant is, you still think he's like seven foot two. He's probably not. But if I went on your giant seven foot two, you're like, yeah, sure. Um, Bobby's fantastic. The storytelling and the spectacle involved is great. And it is, it is a mythical match because Hulk Hogan retells this story four or five different times. And apparently he didn't know how the match was going to finish because Andre didn't tell him what the finish was. Apparently, apparently Hogan either sketched out the entire match himself and then Andre called an audible and basically explained what was going on. Andre the Giant is not the sort of man to call audibles in a wrestling match. I love him, but he's not. Um, <laughs> apparently, uh, I think Mad Magazine once did an article which said WrestleMania 3, where the six foot nine Hulk Hogan lifted the seven foot five Andre the Giant over his head in front of 93,000 people to set the world record for the most lies in one sentence. <laughs> but you don't care because it is. It is WWE wrestling incarnate, and it is for a long, long time. That is the ben- that was the benchmark for main events. That was could you top that in terms of moments, and they didn't for a long time because that match was lightning in a bowl. Yeah, if you haven't seen this match, I'd never seen it all the way through before. It is worth watching. It's better than you you would think it would have any right to be. Um, That's not something that we say for the secondary title bout, another which has gone down in the annals of wrestling history. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat took the Intercontinental title off Macho Man Randy Savage in a 15-minute classic. Now, wrestling matches... By and large, just weren't anywhere near this good in, in 1986. There, There is, of course, Anton, the, the, the fabled story of this being scripted out point to point by Savage before, if anybody doesn't know that, to tell us about it. Well, that's what he did, isn't it? That's what Savage did all the time. What's the specific? I don't know the specifics behind. Was it like seventy four oh, points, points yeah. or something? I think, and 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 he'd randomly call Steamboat and be like, "Hey, point forty three, brother," just to make sure that he was taking it in. I just. This is great. This is just wonderful. It's just there's so many different types of moves. There's so many different. The crowd sort of the crowd are into it because of the character because of Savage, and then you can see they slowly appreciate actually what they're seeing in the ring. It's just it's wonderful. Is it, it great and wonderful by 1986 standards, or nowadays does it look like a, a standard 2018 yeah, Raw TV match? Yeah, it's exactly what it does. I was thinking kind of it would be Rollin Ziggler effectively something like that. That's now. exactly who came to my mind as well. Actually. Well, because we've seen it every mm. week on Raw for the last six months but um but the crowd make it more special carrie does not like that uh comparison by the way no no completely completely disagree the reason savage steamboat is great is not because it's a work rate match and not because technically they're excellent even though they are it's that it's that meshing of uh 
of what they're doing in the ring, but also the story that they're telling and the build-up to it. The build-up to it is important and the fact that it's on a big occasion and they're raising their game. That's not the same as a 20-minute Raw match. You might be able to do the same moves in a 20-minute Raw match and get Rollins and Ziggler to do it, but who gives a shit about that? Nobody does. Literally nobody cares about that, not even Rollins and Ziggler. But Savage Steamboat is a classic and it should be in a time capsule so that people can look back on it in um, 300 years and understand how good wrestling can be. Just one question, because obviously you know way more about what goes into it, the matches, than I do. Is it down to the fact that, look, these guys in 2018, 2019 are on tour all the time? So they've got no time to develop matches. They've got, you know, they'll, they'll and then, you know, so they'll have a, a, a sanitised version of a match on, on, the, on the house shows and then go to Raw and... So most yeah. most days find out in the morning what what they're what they're supposed to do and then we're supposed to, this was a huge match had time to build up obviously Savage had time to build his seventy four point plan and then yeah absolutely I mean if you think about the number of shows that wrestlers now do and you've got a limited number of opponents but you've got a house show pretty much every night you know it's not exciting to see Rollins and Ziggler because you can see that pretty much every week and whereas something you know, back in 1986, 1985, uh, even up to like probably seven, eight years ago when it wasn't so constant, it was still a big deal to see this stuff and to see a match lasting 15 minutes at this point is huge. And yeah, it's it's the sense of occasion that is really important here as well that makes it a classic. Had you watched it before, Carl? I have. It it is genuinely genuinely one of my favourite wrestling matches because Steamboat. Uh, we, so we hinted at how good Steamboat was when he came back for that bizarre Legends match against Chris Jericho. Ricky Steamboat is the great forgotten North American wrestler, largely because a lot of his work, his great work was done in NWA with Ric Flair. All right. Ricky Steamboat's hip toss and his arm drag are in the same level as Randy Orton's drop kick or, or Stone Cold's Tess Prez in terms of just one move done superbly over and over and over again I can watch that uh, it's it's a great mesh of style so Wrestlemania 2 Sa- Savage is wrestling someone who isn't great Steamboat is wrestling someone that isn't great and you can more or less see Vince going let's put them two together next year and it's you've got Savage with his methodical I'm going to slowly take you apart because I'm so I'm a kind of cerebral champion and you've got Ricky Steamboat doing this kind of offensive karate kid inspired superhero thing and he has these great moments of explosiveness, which, you know, in 1985, oh my God, that's otherworldly. In late 90s, 2018, still really, really impressive. He has a moment where he jumps off the top rope to do an arm smash onto Savage, and he leaps over the referee to get there. I'm going, yeah, like, give me more of that. Um, Slightly yeah. underwhelmed by the finish? Is yes. that is that a, a, a minor criticism or a legitimate one? So, so Savage tries to ring the bell in, but George... Bring- Savage tries to bring the bell in, but uh, George the Animal Steel, who was Steamboat second, um, stops him, and then Steamboat wins on a roll-up. Is that, is that maybe Savage saying that's the only way I will be beaten in this match that I've planned out intricately? I think so. I, I do like a roll-up win in big matches because it just it can be an admission of that. It just takes that little bit of half-second thought to beat someone. So the ending, that ending, is a bit bad but what i really do like is uh george carrying ricky over his shoulders to take him back to the ring because ricky is exhausted which is a visual you rarely get you either get the champion who's won the belt splayed out then immediately jumps up and goes yeah i've won it or you get 
something else, but the, the, just the shot of someone being totally exhausted winning a title that someone else has to carry them is a rare shot that I want to see more of. And now it wouldn't be a WrestleMania without some celebrity involvement, uh, apart from WrestleMania 9. Uh, here we get Alice Cooper accompanying Jake the Snake Roberts to ringside for his match against everyone's least fa- favourite Elvis impersonator, the Honky Tonk Man. Um, he had Jimmy Hart with him, Jake, as I say, Alice Cooper. I mean, it's a forgettable bout, I think it's fair to say. Carrie, tell us about when uh, Honky uh, destroyed Jake's back for real in the build-up. Oh, God. Yes, prior to uh, this match. Uh, so Honky Tonk had attacked Jake with with a guitar. That's right, isn't it? In, in an in-ring segment. And but he, not not a Jeff Jarrett balsa no, with no, guitar. No, 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 an actual guitar. And he legitimately <laughs> bust his um, neck and back up and so in, in, in the run-up to it. So, yeah, about six weeks beforehand. So that must have been slightly worrying, I would imagine, to people planning out a WrestleMania, which was the biggest, baddest, bestest whatever the, the the motto was so honky tonk sucks at everything doesn't he he can't even do a guitar attack right well i think the most important question of this certainly this section of the podcast maybe the entire podcast who was worse out of honky tonk man or beefcake because i for a long time thought they were the same person <laughs> i wonder if honky tonk are we getting worked by honky tonk because no. honky tonk honky tonk <laughs> is awful and i hate him and anytime he's on screen i want to boo but he's a heel. I, I I think after watching this WrestleMania, I hate Honky Tonk more than Beefcake uh. because I understand more about Beefcake. We will get to you later, I suppose, about what, what why he is who he is, and I also get <laughs> one of the find out like some of these deep seated family it's, trauma. It's, 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 it's as close to an origin story as you're going to get for Brutus Beefcake, and. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. we get one of the best lines in one of the promos that Beefcake is standing there idly saying nothing during. Which one line? Go for it. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's it's voulez-vous scrambled eggs, Grandma? Which is <laughs> it makes no sense, but it's absolutely wonderful. So yeah, I, there's a little bit of me is warm to Brutus now. All right, um, Colonel Jimmy Hart. Lest we forget, he was uh, at this point took a, a really lame Damien the Snake related spot for, from Alice Cooper post match. Apparently. Jimmy Hart hurt himself for real somehow and uh, what did he sneeze or something and put his back out because the snake came sort of towards him and then went away again I wondered if like it's quite a nice visual I get having a python there but there are very few people that we've seen who are prepared to actually let it get anywhere near them and it ends up being a bit of a bust doesn't it having it there and hey look that that snake's quite close to you I don't want a snake near me Jimmy Hart's, Jimmy Hart's reaction is exactly my reaction when someone's holding me and someone's trying to put a snake near me. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jimmy Hart sucks. Where's Alice Cooper during this? He gets, gets in at the end. Grabs gets, the snake yeah, he gets in at the end. To... But by this point, point he's already lost the match. Also, interesting. He's lost the match. Come on, Cooper, step up. All you got to do is hit Jimmy Hart. Everyone wants to hit Jimmy Hart. Interesting it's wrinkle. Uh, Alice Cooper once came very close to shooting the real Elvis. That's just which a went, fun which, tidbit there. That, don't, we, don't just leave it hanging there. Would that have meant we had no Honky Tonk Man? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Uh, so, uh, during one of uh, Elvis's late stage Vegas renditions, he meets Alice Cooper. He goes, here, come look at my gun collection. And Cooper, in his drug-fueled state, is like, great, cool. Elvis hands him the gun and goes, hey, well, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it right now. And Cooper, more or less, goes, all right, and attempts to shoot at Elvis's feet. Elvis just looks like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
Yeah, so I just keep it once went, yeah, I came very close to killing Elvis. There you go. You weren't expecting to learn that today, dear listener, but you have. Uh, right, three matches down. We're nowhere near done yet, though. We'll take a little pause for the cause and be back quicker than you can say. Double count-out finishers have blighted much of the action in these early batch of WrestleManias we've been reviewing of late. Our friends at Beer52 are such marks for you out there in the parts unknown universe that they want to give you some free beer, and not just any beer, craft beer, and not just any craft beer, a case of craft beer for free. Beer52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. Take, for example, their Great British Road Trip selection, featuring amazing brews like Fierce's Moose 4.5% Chocolate Mill Stout. Ooh, yeah. I still can't do the accent, sorry. The Easy Peeler Citrus Session IPA from London's 4Pure. Believe that. And Black Isle's GoldenEye 7% West Coast Style IPA. Give me a hell yeah. If that sounds like your type of gimmick, sign up now at beer52.com slash partsunknown and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and Beer52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. All you have to do is pay $2.95 for delivery. And if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch, no heel turn, no stips, you can leave Beer52 at any time. Just head to beer52.com slash partsunknown and enter the offer code partsunknown to claim your free case today. Oh, yeah! Uh, welcome back to Parts Unknown. The future of Parts Unknown is unknown. If you'd like us to keep going, tell us via our Twitter, at the PE Podcast, or by giving us a good review on iTunes. Thanks. So, back to WrestleMania 3 then, and we should just mention that Honky Tonk Man, still the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. Miz got really close, didn't he, this year, and then they took it off him for some reason, because... Honky Tonk Man's legend must stay in place. Um, (laughs) The next match here we're going to talk about. Harley Race with Bobby Heenan and the fabulous Moolah defeated Junkyard Dog in a loser must bow match. So so Harley was rocking the king gimmick here. And um, for that reason, they did a loser must bow match. So Harley Race, when he came over from NWA to WWE, they didn't want to give him a title. So they invented more or less invented the king of the ring gimmick so they could call harley something and yeah this is a this is a match which junkyard dog and harley race have great chemistry because of all the shenanigans they've been doing in nwa and so this match is good this is two old as balls guys who know the ins and outs of every single move they can do showing that on screen is very much ah, whoop, ah i know you like to do a three hit combo there so i'm gonna avoid that um, I, I, I wrote down in my notes it's, it's a bit Triple H Booker T at Mania 19 this isn't it in terms of just like the it's not even subtext just like how racially text it is there but I also know this this is what Junkyard Dog did a lot of his matches were I'm going to fight your white hero in this true you know Jack Johnson versus the Great White Hope boxing scenario and I'm going to fight him and unfortunately in WWE or and most of wrestling is I'm going to have a dusty finish to win so race wins JYD bows then nails race with a chair and according to Gorilla leaves with a moral victory so that's kind of the justification for it presumably yep so I was expecting a lot coming in and then there's just some sort of flaky headbutts and Harley race was I mean yeah old as balls is a great description because he's so wrinkled he looks like he could have been a scrotum so 
Yeah, but it's it happened. I'm glad I saw a bit of Harley Race. I hate a belly to belly finish. Uh, it's just in it, wrestling. In, or? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not everything I say is filthy. Um, belly to belly is just the just the worst suplex. It's like I hate it when Bailey uses it to finish matches and Race uses it here. It's just that. Come on, it's a transition move. Yeah, now. Yeah, um, the Harley Race stuff. He's ten years past his sell by date at Mania Three. I do recommend some of his promos in NWA. There's a amazing one in NWA where he puts a $50,000 hit on Ric Flair and uh, it it's seared in my memory of just he's just him in like a cheap polyester suit in a red studio and there's a briefcase full of money and he's like I'm just gonna offer $50,000 to any human being that can take out Ric Flair anyone Briscoes Kabuki so-and-so you're the champion you beat him someone come take this money <laughs> That's Harley Race. Wow. Um, next, Rowdy Roddy Piper defeated Adrian Adonis, brackets with Jimmy Hart, of course. Um, Stips galore here. Hair versus hair. Supposedly, Piper's retirement match. There's a, a large banner spread amongst the front row saying, we'll miss you, Roddy. Um, I wonder where John Cena got his disingenuity from. Piper ran to the ring. Most um, most of the others were on those mini golf cart wrestling things. They were cool, weren't they? I really like those. They're amazing. I kind of want one just for my everyday activity, <laughs> just to scoot around the house and cheer myself as I, uh, as I go down the stairs, that kind of thing. It'd be cool. Um, Adonis, a narcissist, despite being a chubster with a black eye here, um, which, is, which is very wrestling. Uh, Another kind of forgettable match, essentially, this one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's more interesting for the, the not, not quite a promo package, but the way they show the build up. Because again, you can see why people are interested in Roddy Piper. There's a bit where he's constantly being ambushed and blindsided by Adonis' crew. And there's a segment where he is trashing up someone's studio and he has a baseball bat, a wooden one, just slams it to the ground and he breaks it in one blow. I'm like, you're dangerous. Okay. And he's, you're dangerous. You're also, I can see why later on when you went into Hall of Fame, they gave you a second with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I can also see why fans, when they like hand with eh, racist stuff, whatever. But like, Ruddy Piper was a good character because he possessed that unique, aggressive energy that Stone Cold had. And that unique, I don't really care about titles and whatnot. I'm just going to beat up someone who offends me. Which, in Piper's, you know, in. Stone Cold's case was his boss. In Piper's case, tended to be people of colour and people who didn't dress masculine. I'm pulling a face. It was a different time. Um, other matches that took place at the Silverdome included Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules, which ended in a double countout. Haiti Kid, Hillbilly Jim and Little Beaver defeated King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo and Lord Littlebrook by disqualification in a match which set the record for the use of the word midget on television in a four-minute spell. The Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. That's right, Brutus Beefcake in a team called the Dream Team with uh, Dino Bravo and Johnny Valiant went over the Rougeau brothers. Butch Reed bested Coco Beware and the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov defeated the Killer Bees by disqualification. Anyone got anything to say on any of those matches? Anton has. A Ray Rougeau fact. Okay. He... Always time for one of those. ...saved the life of a 70-plus-year-old man and a friend of his who was trapped in the Canadian wilderness by flying his own plane to find him. Took him took him two days. Wow, good oh, on amazing. him. And he's now, obviously, the French commentator for WWE. Oh, lovely. Um, Hercules is Hercules Hernandez in WrestleMania 3. Vince McMahon has always hated surnames. <laughs> <laughs> He's not talking about the beefcake getting becoming the barber. 
Uh, okay, you can well, do that just, if you want. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. For, 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 for WrestleManias, for, for, for beefcake completists, yeah, yeah. For, for WrestleManias, we've I've seen just this terrible wrestler with with bulging eyes and let's say protruding muscles um, run around with shears. Who's and apparently be the good guy, and now I know it all happened at WrestleMania three because he came in at the end of the hair versus hair match to cut hair. So there you go. It makes it kind of makes it makes a little bit more it makes a tiny bit more sense. Now. It does. It's fine. I just think it's been a much bigger revelation for you than for any of us or anyone listening. <laughs> he still sucks. Oh, oh he's still <laughs> awful. There, there, there is that weird moment when he comes in the Jake the Snake Roberts match where Jake is borderline passed out from a sleep hold and shakes him awake. I thought he was choking him, but apparently he's trying to help him. Like, wait, Jake the Snake and Beefcake are friends? No, go, you leave him alone. He's a good wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> um, the in-ring action on the night kicked off with a tag team bout, which saw the Can-Am connection, Rick Martel and Tom Zenk beat Bob Alton and the magnificent Morocco. Uh, so this is the first match, Gary. No entrances for either, but still just, just felt really big time. Jesse talking about it being the biggest event in, in wrestling history. Um, so yeah, a big deal for these lot to all be to be in it. Did you, did you notice any similarity in style? I'm not saying I did between Cowboy Bob's wrestling style and uh, Young Randall. No, I wasn't looking for that to be honest. Um, there were no RKOs <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, oh yeah, it was. This was a, this was an odd match. I thought to kick off with. You say that there's all this kind of pomp and circumstance with the kind of with, with the introductions. They don't get entrances, and then this lasts, what, three minutes, four minutes? Yeah. This was... I mean, were people hyped about this at the time? Was this supposed to be a big deal, or is this an actual warm-up match? I don't know. Well, this is interesting in terms of the opening matches that we've had. We've had a couple in recent weeks that we've said, well, they've been far too long. So maybe the thinking here was, let's just get these guys in and out. Morocco took the pin from Zenk, and, and there you go. Is it more just like a scene set? Okay, everyone get in your seats. It's starting now with this insignificant match. It's a scene set, definitely. Um, I know Japanese wrestling for a long time had... Because they had loads of their main events last 45, 60 minutes long, a lot of Japanese wrestling fans would not sit down and f- to at least 20 minutes. So they once famously had a main event that ended in 15 minutes, basically going, you sit down when I tell you to sit down <laughs> to, to change crowd reaction. But I like this. I, I'm really... I prefer the tag team matches in this era because tag wrestling is better due to the fact that because you have an extra person, you can have someone hold someone so you can set up the spot you want to do. So, you know, no one can drop kick here, but in this era, if you have someone hold someone and then the other person do the drop kick, then you still get the drop kick. Yeah, old wrestling is hard. <laughs> uh, two, two things I like about this match. One is that it's just the crowd sort of are into it from the start even though it's a bit of a throwaway match just to get everyone in the mood but secondly I like the fact that every time a smaller competitor tries to lift and slam a bigger one it was such a big deal back then so I think Zenk tries, uh, slams Morocco at some point and the crowd just lose it it goes absolutely crazy and you're like okay it just helped me put into context how big a deal the big move in the main event really was because lifting up big guys was a huge deal back then is now in some circles yeah, yeah. yeah. does the thing uh, that's also particularly interesting in Wrestlemania 3s and whatnot. Um less camera flashes you can really it's really noticeable how when watching it you just see less because no camera not everyone has a camera and everyone has cameras of sufficient quality to take photos of action so you normally get the two wrestlers stand across each other whole bunch of camera flashes stops 
No camera flashes. Yeah. Maybe that's why people got more excited pre-internet because they had no, they weren't looking through a camera or on their phones or doing something. It wasn't. An- oh. Another little production thing. This being the first one, the announcers were miles away from the <laughs> ring. They showed as well. Like they must have had a good monitor. They are. They're miles away. And we'll, we'll talk about this in in the in the next episode too. They're miles away, and they're kind of in armchairs as well. Uh, Vince, uh, kind of in, in his tux, about three miles away up in the gods of the arena. And yeah, must have been very good monitors. Or maybe he knew what was going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> it's very BBC at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, the last match we, we're going to talk about at length saw dangerous Danny Davis in the Hart Foundation, that being uh, Brett and Jim. With Jimmy Hart, of course, beat the British Bulldogs, David Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. They had Tito Santana as the third man in their team. Prior to the match, Ventura does an in-ring spot. He doesn't say anything, but insisted on being announced, apparently so, obviously so they could plug that he was in Predator, which was coming out at this time. Um, a six-man match to take the strain off Dynamite, who'd knackered his back by this point, as we've spoken about. Um, Mary Hart, then the host of Entertainment Tonight on commentary. She wasn't very good at it. Well, she wasn't entertaining, ironically. <laughs> No, and also she was very. Uh, she was trying to make a joke about her name, and and she did manage to. She didn't really manage to actually carry that off at all because she was trying to specify that she wasn't one of. Oh uh, yeah, she was terrible. <laughs> she was terrible. Did you like Carl the um, the botchamania here on the pre-match promo where Jimmy Hart's trying to give it all the serious? Here we go, and Danny Davis is just stood in his way in the shot, so you can just see an arm coming out every so often. Um, that's pretty much that. A show which we were all keen anticipating I'm sure had you seen it before Carrie and, and did it live up to the hype for you yeah not in its entirety I hadn't seen it before um I think basically I knew Wrestlemania 3 for Savage Steamboat because yeah that's my kind of thing um and then I was pleasantly surprised to say by by Hogan against Andre and yeah I enjoyed this Wrestlemania it, it was good mm, it was a nice palate cleanser Carl I thought after the stinkathons at Trump Plaza it is the I know we do this in reverse chronological order, so next to it in chronological order. This is the best WrestleMania. This is the first good WrestleMania. It's got two of the biggest wrestling storylines of all time to date. Uh, and if you want to tell like, the most influential you know, North American wrestling stories, yeah, top five is Andre versus Hogan, and top 20 is at least Steamboat versus Savage. So it, it's well-deserved and well worth the... No, it's not, because WWE overblows everything. Yeah. It is, it is a good wrestling event that was probably spec, you know viewed by 60,000 that is being told to you as being viewed by 93,000. And 60,000 is an impressive number. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to, to exaggerate it. Well, you've seen Vincent Mann's body. That's just, uh, yeah, that's impressive too. Um, Anton, are we kind of learning, have learnt, that to be a good WrestleMania, really, you only need three, maybe four excellent matches on it? Yeah, definitely. I think that's absolutely fair. Because... You, it's what you remember, isn't it? It's it's such a long show. I mean, even when the shorter ones are still three hours, it's what you take away from it, and you can't possibly take away three. You'd be emotionally exhausted. Yeah, they always say you need it. that up and down. Yeah, don't exactly. You? I think this is I think it's a really really good WrestleMania. I love love the main event. Obviously, love Steamboat and uh, Savage. There are there are enough little bits from other characters to kind of keep you entertained for the for the rest of it. There's it's it's over the top. It's full blown. It's kind of Vince McMahon fever dream it works it's just wonderful did you have a Wrestlemania moment I, I just cannot look past the, the stare down before the match between uh, Andre and, and Hulk never mind the slam because the slam's a little bit sad because the arch back and the and obviously you know what state Andre is in before that when they just go face to face that's my moment Carl uh, George the animal steel lifting up 
Ricky on his shoulders to go, yeah, you've won the trophy. Like, let's get out of here. Gary? Oh, Matilda. Always Matilda. I like when Matilda is there. <laughs> that being uh, the Bulldog's Bulldog. The Bulldog's Bulldog. The Bulldog of choice. The discerning Bulldog. <laughs> I'm going to go for just the start. Just Vince it, with the in-ring opening. I just thought it brought to life the scale of the whole thing and it was amazing. Um, that was an unusually positive show for us, wasn't it? There you go. Uh, next week, we're going to conclude our look back by reviewing the first two WrestleManias in one go. We'll follow that up with a final What We Learned episode. Until then, Carrie, what's your Twitter handle? At Carrie Sparkle. And Carl. And Command 616. And Anton. At Sky Anton. Lovely stuff. I am at Matt Davis Adams. We are at the PU Podcast. We'll see you next time for more Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.